been lounging, lounging with Skipper. <laughs> You've been lounging, lounging with Skipper. Yo, 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 what's going on everybody? I want to welcome you all to another episode of Lounging with Skip, where I, um, you know, interview people, um, actors, entertainers, producers, singers, songwriters um, in the entertainment industry to just follow them and find out their journey and and get the background um, experience on what it was that they went through to get to where they are. So I welcome you all to another episode of Lounging with Skip. Um, today, I'm sitting here with a brother um, I met on the set. Well, I, I met in Kappa, which is the fraternity that I'm in, Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. And I met this brother um, the day I crossed um, MTA, um, probably about you know two and a half years ago. And during the course of that time, um, we would always run into each other, um, you know, out and about, you know, at the Kappa house and things like that. And when I started working on this uh, TV show called In The Cut, he was working, you know, he works on that show as well. And so I said to myself, you know what, this last time that we worked together, I said it would be very interesting to be able to interview you. Um, And he said, let's do it. And so here we are today. I'm sitting here with actor John Marshall Jones, otherwise known as JJ. Hey, what's up, Skip? What's going on, man? Everything is good. That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, I'm glad that you was able to, you know what I'm saying, you know, come through and lounge with me, you know what I mean? Lounging with Skip, you know what I mean? I'm glad you was able to. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, This interview pretty much is just to explain the, 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 you know, just the understanding and the background experience to where you... To, to why and how you were able to get to where you are now as far as being successful in this industry because it's a hard industry that a lot of people, you know, want to get into. Um, I'm curious, so um, like give a background to where you were, where you're born, where you're from. Oh, well, all right. The, uh, the short version is I was born in Detroit. Detroit. And... Uh, you know, discovered acting in high school was, you know, either acting or basketball. Okay. And then I went to uh, Northwestern in Chicago. Well, well, for okay. Well, well, before we even get to college, so when what made you? What was a, like a show or something that sparked your interest into wanting to be an actor to where it kind of built that, um, that 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 excitement? Um, as a kid, I was a big Spencer Tracy fan. Mm. And uh, they played the, you know, those kind of old black and white movies on Sunday. Okay, okay. And uh, I couldn't wait till there was a Spencer Tracy movie to be on. Because he was, you know, emotional and, uh, you know, uh, vulnerable and strong. And everybody respected him. And I was like, wow, you know. Mm. Um, How old were you around this time? uh, Maybe... Grade school, yeah, 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 nine or ten. Okay, yeah, nine or ten. Okay, and that was always uh, he was always a big influence on me. Mm. Um, And then that style of acting changed, and it took me a while to uh, to learn to adjust my instrument uh, to the tune that the medium needed. 
rather than just playing my own tune. So when you said that style of acting changed, what kind of style of acting was Spencer Tracy when you, when you first started seeing it? Uh, Spencer Tracy was very emotional. He was very emotive. You could see what he was feeling. Okay. It was on every fiber of his body. Okay. Because um, the name, the name, I've heard of the name. I guess I have to actually see oh, the episode yeah. to remember what it actually is. Because when I think of Spencer Tracy, I'm thinking like, what's it, like Dick Tracy or something like no, that? No, no, Spencer okay. Tracy was, uh, as an older man, he was the father and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Okay. You know, by that time, he was old. When he was a younger man, you know, my age, okay. he was, you know, full of fire. Okay, okay. Um, but that style was very emotive because, you know, movies were young mm. and everything was big. All the acting was really big. Mm. And um, as as the 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 as movies evolved, as the sound got better and the lenses got better, mm-hmm. they could get closer in. You had to stop doing so much because it was too much for the audience to take in, mm. right? And so everything became more and more natural because of the technology. Okay. Until at a certain point it crossed over and it became that the best actor was the person who could be the most natural, Mm. right? As opposed to the person who could interpret the the text in some kind of new and interesting and unique way that made you see things differently and made you... Yeah, it's, uh, so, so seeing it from that perspective, you were thinking like that at an early age in grade school, or you were? Just no, no, no. I came to this last week. <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> no, in uh, in grade school, man, and all the way through, uh-huh. I was just trying to give you everything I had. Okay. You know, I was giving it to you. It's like if it was basketball. I was trying to dunk on every play. Okay. Okay. And if I couldn't high, dunk in high school. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, no, it's a it's a thing that happens when you get on stage and there's an energy that takes over because you gotta focus in a different way. Right? So you're moving in a different space. It's a different it's a different energy, it's a different vibration. And uh, were you in plays? Anything like that? Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, the first play you were in? First play I was in um, was a church play mm. of, uh, I guess it was, uh, uh, you know, the Jesus in the manger. Okay. And it had all the animals, mm. and, uh, and I was the dove. Mm. And I really couldn't remember my lines. I had like three of them, and that was a lot, you know. Mm. And uh, But the night of the performance uh, at... Intermission, uh, you know, the cow is two people and it's got to be zipped up. So, right. You know, it gets hot in there. Yeah. So the kids wanted it to be unzipped in intermission. Okay. And then when intermission was over, they couldn't get it zipped back up. Mm. So the lights came up on the stage and, you know, director looked kind of panicked. And now, when I was a kid, TV would just cut out. Every mm. once in a while. Okay. And they give you this tone. Yeah. And then you see this car and it would say, due to circumstances beyond our control, there will be a slight delay. Okay. And my sister taught me to read that. Mm. 
So when the lights came up at intermission and wasn't nobody out on the stage and the director was looking panicked, I walked out in my little dove costume and said, due to circumstances beyond our control, there will be a slight delay. Yeah. And the audience went crazy. Mm, mm, right? Okay. Crazy. Okay. And of course, I didn't know what happened. You right, know, I was right. just doing what they, what they do on TV. Okay. Um, but that was, uh, that was the first that big laugh. Yeah. Mm, and mm. it's like, uh, I guess I just had it in me. Mm. Right? So. To just kind of do something to make yourself stand out because you didn't have to do that but you took it upon yourself to do that to stand out and that you see the laugh of everybody like who is this kid here's the thing Mm -hmm. um i didn't make a decision about it Mm -hmm. it moved me it was an idea that moved me without me thinking about it Mm -hmm. if i thought about it i wouldn't have done it Mm -hmm. and so there's something that happens in the improvisational moment okay. where something moves you okay. to speak. Mm. It's not anything you think about, or it moves you to a certain place. Mm. And, um, and to me, that's the, the genius and the fun of the craft, because I like that feeling of being moved. Mm. You know, that... It's a creative thing. Um, so, so high school, you you know, because so that was during grade school. That was your first. That grade. was like five years old. Five years old. <laughs> so nothing in between. Nothing after that. You were just. It was just something you were doing. You went about your your life. Grade school, high school. Were you ever involved in like plays or anything like that during your high school years, or was it all basketball? Uh, no, no, I was doing uh, plays as well, and a couple of years, um, they came into conflict, where it was like, you know, I was the star of the team, mm-hmm. and they had scheduled a play on the night of a game, wow. and it was one of those, you know, that kind of thing, and one year I tried to do both, you know, by the time I played the game, and wasn't very good at the game, by the time I got to the play, I wasn't very good at the play, mm-hmm. and it was like, uh, what you do? You know, you got to choose one. Um, and so I ended up going to college. I went to Northwestern University. Uh, but, but but during that time, what did you decide to do? Did you oh, stay hooping? Oh, uh, yeah, I stayed hooping. Okay, so you was like, forget the play. Yeah, I stayed okay. hooping. Okay. And, uh, um, went to but I didn't, but I didn't forget the play. Right. It was just... I was into hooping at the time. Right. And, 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 you were, and you were able to possibly get a scholarship. Yeah, yeah. Did I you was, get a scholarship? Uh, I did not get a full ride, but I got this kind of partial situation where it wasn't costing much. Okay. Right. And you ended up going to? Uh, to Northwestern. Northwestern. Where yeah. is that located? Uh, Chicago, Illinois. Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. All right. So here we are in college. First year. Freshman. Yeah. Good times. Very good. How was that for you? Um, I really enjoyed my time at Northwestern. Um, I was not one of those people who felt compelled to have to get A's. Mm. And so I did what I needed to do to graduate. Mm. But that was the length of my academic pursuit. I knew that 
that college was as far as I was gonna go. Mm. So I wasn't motivated to, you know, right. to excel. Right. Right. So, you know, I had a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I did too. College was fun. Uh, I had one quarter where I scheduled my classes. I had three classes. A Tuesday, once a week from 7 to 10. A Wednesday, once a week from 1 to 4. And a Wednesday, once a week from 7 to 10. Mm. So the weekend started Wednesday night and didn't end till Monday. Wow. Damn. Dude. Really? And got a 3.0. Wow. Now, now, what year was that? What year was this? Uh, that was probably... You had to be like towards in your, like your last year. Yeah, right? yeah. That was, that because was probably, you understood the science of it and you knew, you knew, you knew your, your limitations and, you know, I'm not taking no nine o'clock in the morning class. <laughs> right, just, right. You know, around like this, make it work for me. I'm making it work for me, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was probably, uh, that was probably sophomore year. Mm, okay. Yeah, me and another new, um, had gotten an apartment off campus mm. that uh, came to be known as the Animal House. Oh, wow. And we started a, uh, uh, a promotions company called JT Productions, and we would throw parties at the Animal House, right? right? right. And we were on the third floor of this apartment building. Okay. So uh, it was a, a brother and a sister that lived downstairs from us that was a little older, probably in their 20s. Okay. So whenever we throw a party, we go get a gallon of Gallo wine. Mm. And we come down, knock on their door, say, hey, listen, uh, we're going to be throwing a party tonight. And uh, y'all are welcome to come up if you want to. But if you didn't want to come up, we just wanted to bring you something. Mm. And so we ain't never had no problem with my neighbors. Wow. My neighbors were like, yo, y'all throwing a party too? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I got a question. So around what time? Was this when Animal House, the movie, came out? Yeah, a little so bit. So you after. all were inspired by yeah. the movie Animal House. And it was like, that was like during the time, it was like an Animal House, Porky's. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That type of party, you know, vibe. Um, okay, so, you know what I'm saying, you, 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 you became a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Incorporated. At this time, were you involved in any of the acting in college? Um, what, was the interest still there? And during this time, what movies or movie um, kind of stood out to you at that time where you was like, you know what, I might give this a shot? Well, I went to school uh, primarily to play basketball. Um, found out I didn't love it like that, mm. right? Enough to be doing it like they do it in the Big Ten, because mm. uh, it's a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was uh, was really struggling, and I was contemplating um, uh, dropping out of school. Wow! And um, and a young lady came to me and uh, named Pat Adams. And she said, hey, listen, we're doing this uh, black version of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and we're doing it for one of the you know, big university uh, theaters to see if they want to do it this, uh, this fall. And so I heard you did some theater in high school. Why don't you come out and audition? And I was like, well, she said, look, you don't have to you know, do the play. Just come out and audition. Have a good time. So I said, well, shit, as long as, you know, if I ain't got to do it, okay. So, 
it's a musical, you're supposed to show up with music prepared, right? Okay. But you know, I, I wasn't going to really think about doing it, so I didn't prepare nothing. Yeah. So, uh, there's a guy over there on the piano, and they say, you know, what'd you prepare? Well, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. What, what do you know? And he said, well, the sheet music here is for Evergreen by Barbara Streisand. And it just so happened that I sang Evergreen by Barbara Streisand at the junior-senior dinner mm. in high school. So of all the songs in the world that he would have the sheet music to, mm. he had the sheet music to the one song that I knew how to sing. Mm. And uh, <laughs> so he gets to playing the music. And something moves me to walk across the stage and jump up on the piano. Okay. And then I laid down on my back and sang the song as a like 1940s vamp. Mm -hmm. Then jumped down off the piano when I was done and said, uh, you need anything else? Okay. okay. And walked out. And when I was walking down the street, it was another I, one of those moments. I, yeah, man, I remember so clear. That's what I want to do. Mm. And from that moment forward, it was done. It was uh, a decision that was made in that moment. You said, you know, because it was a, it was a feeling. You it was a feeling that was kind of unexplainable. You it was remember. like like nothing. It was a feeling of of clarity, of certainty. Mm. That I knew what it was. I had, I had identified. I had engaged it, mm. and it, as we were talking earlier, moved me across the stage. It moved me into the room. In of all the sheet music in the world, he's got the one song that I have sung. Right. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on. You have to be. Blind, deaf, and to, dumb. To not, to not notice the sound. <laughs> to not hear the sound. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. to not hear the sound of certainty. Yeah. It yeah. rings and like a see, bell. And to see the, and to, 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 to know the sign. See the sign yeah. and hear the sound. Yeah, hear the sound. Yeah, yeah. So, at this point, you didn't drop out. Did you end up getting that, that, that role in that play? I did. I yeah. ended up getting the role. I played Schroeder, okay. the piano player. Mm. And you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Mm -hmm. And um, and you know, good times, man. Good yeah. times. Okay, so you did that. Um, you ended up graduating. Yep. Ended up graduating. What What was your degree in? Uh, degree was in uh, communications. That's what theater came under the school of communications. Mm -hmm. The degree was in theater. Yeah. Um, same, same same degree, except okay. it was journalism. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I graduated in '84. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way. For about the first 10 years, uh, that was the way that white folks would test me. Mm. You know, like out here, they say, hey, well, where'd you go to school? I say, oh, Northwestern. Did you graduate? Yeah. Right? And it was like they were ready with the next question. Did you graduate? Yeah. It was like, oh, okay. So if I didn't graduate, they would feel better about it. About what? Right? About their position. Mm. Right? Because that's how they were positioning themselves. Wow. Is he a Northwestern graduate? He's got a better education than me? Mm -hmm. Or did you go to Northwestern and not graduate? Because mm -hmm. then I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. Right? It was it was strange because it was 
it happened a lot. So that's when you moved out here. Yeah, that was out here. Now, segue into this part. So when you graduated from college in 84, when did you move out here? How Uh, soon after college did you move out here? Right after college, uh, I took a job in a telephone sales boiler room. And we were selling radio airtime. And I would, uh, and I was good at it. Mm-hmm. I was good at it. I was making good money. You know, I was like, uh, I was 22. And this was back in? In Chicago. Chicago, okay. I was like 21, 22. I was making grand a week. Mm. Cash. Mm. Wow. You know. In 85. Yeah, in 85. <laughs> Dude, I was, listen, everything was cool. And um, at the same time, I was studying uh, acting. Um, I met this gentleman named Del Close, who uh, it turns out was the guru of improvisational comedy in the United States at that time. Mm, how'd you meet him? Uh, we did a play together. Okay. I got cast in a play, uh, a production of Hamlet mm. in Chicago that uh, ran 119 performances. So you did 119. Did 119. And this was after you graduated from college. Right. So you were working at this boiler room selling selling airtime. And doing Hamlet. And doing Hamlet. Yeah. Wow. And doing Hamlet. Working, wow. working there in the, in the day and doing Hamlet at night. So at this particular point in time, you knew your certainty was this acting. So you were staying on that while you were having your day job working. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And in fact... Um, I got hired by a theater in Chicago called Second City, which was kind of a pipeline to Saturday Night Live. Mm. So now I was in the pipeline. I didn't realize it at the time, mm. but there it was. And um, and they uh, offered me a job to tour with them, wow. which meant I had to leave, had to make a decision. Leave Chicago. About leaving, yeah, leaving Chicago and leaving this other job. Mm. And I never thought twice. You said, yeah. Yeah, I never thought twice. And I was making good money. And I went from, uh, what would you say, from uh, from no joke to broke. Mm. And then had to come back from broke to no joke. But when I left that job and started working at the theater, mm. uh, I went through uh, several years of just not having any money. Okay. Right, but I became an actor yeah. and nothing else. That was built right, 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 right. And right. you it, basically you basically banked on your certainty. Correct. To put you in a position of certainty. Well see, the certainty <laughs> never says it's gonna be easy. Right. It only says this is what you're supposed to do. Right. And Behind, behind the, the 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 more major the challenge is, mm. the greater the growth is for you when you come through it. Mm. Right, and so that particular job had um, particular challenges that uh, that were immense. Mm. Uh, and they pushed me to a whole other place 
of focus and uh, and execution in my craft. Now, during that time, were you looking at it like that, or did it take the maturity in you in the years to look back on that and realize what was being done? No, during that time, I knew that they were trying to get me to quit mm. because, you know, I was brother in the pipeline. Mm. And I was talented, and I had Northwestern education in Chicago, which is like going to Harvard, right? And uh, they knew that I knew that I had a leg up as far as all of that was concerned. Mm -hmm. So there were multiple people that spent uh, an inordinate amount of energy just fucking with me. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, so... Um, but you knew that you could handle the pressure of that. Well, here's what it was. And it got immense. But I had pledged Kappa <laughs> just three years before. Right, right. And if it wasn't going to get that hot, mm -hmm. they might as well just give me what they're trying to keep me from. Mm -hmm. You might as well just give it to me because mm -hmm. you ain't going to do that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. everything else you do it don't yeah. mean nothing to me. Yeah. <laughs> so let me yeah. get on with yeah. what is it that I need to do to excel under these circumstances. And at a certain point, and this is where something new peaked in my understanding of the craft. Mm. At a certain point in every scene that I was in, I had to know my lines and the other person's lines. Mm. Like, dude was getting on me, the director was getting on me, somebody forgot their line, and he turned and yelled at me. Right. It was like that. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay, so you gonna come at me for not knowing his lines? All okay. right. <laughs> All right. Watch how this goes down. Mm. So... By the time that I knew everybody's lines, I could start uh, pulling laughs where they missed them. Because now I know their lines. I know where the laugh is, even if you don't get it. And if you don't get it, I'm gonna get it. And so now I was listening to the other person on how they were gonna do their line so that if they didn't pick up their laugh, I'd pull the laugh with the reaction. When you say the laugh, what do you mean? Oh, well, we're doing comedy scenes. Okay. Right? And so you have setups and you have punchlines. Setups and punchlines. Well, if my job in the scene is to feed you setups so that you can hit the punchlines, then it's really on you to be the funny part of the scene. Mm. You're carrying the scene. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But if I know your lines mm -hmm. and I feed it to you mm -hmm. and you say it in a way that's not funny, mm -hmm. I can still pull the laugh by how I react to what you just said. Okay, got you. So got now you. every scene that I'm in is killing it, whether I'm the funny guy or the straight guy, I'm the funniest guy in the scene. Mm. And that is an abnormal way to think about that. Okay. But that's what they pushed me to. Yeah. And so then when that happened, we came back, we were on a tour in Colorado, 
And uh, oh, so you were gone from Chicago at this point. Now you well, just we're touring around the country. Too. Okay. And uh, the director got mad and put me in one scene in the first act and one scene in the second act, and the rest of the time I was sitting on my ass. Mm. But the shows weren't going well, so the producer flew out and said, "Hey, what's going on?" And the cast was like, "Well, he took all the funny scenes out of the show." It turned out that all the funny scenes were the ones I was in. So when she left, I was in every other scene for the entire show for two hours. And it freaking killed. It killed. It was one of the most successful tours we ever had. Mm. So when I came back, I was kind of on fire. And we did a show in Chicago. And there was an agent from L.A., that was at the show. Okay. And she wanted to give me her card, and the director said, well, no, he can't come out. Mm. So she said, well, I'm a friend of the producer. Why don't you give this to him for me? Mm. So the dude who had been trying to get me to quit my job is the one that had to come and bring me the business card from the agent that was about to take me to L.A. Mm. And... Uh, it was a righteous moment, dude. When I looked at it, I was like, "Really? Oh, so this, this is an agent from LA, huh?" To 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 the guy. Yeah. Because right, right. he had to hand it to me. Yeah. It wasn't like he could pass it off. Right. And now, she now had told him to give it to. Yeah, me. and she was a friend of the producer. Right. So so something like that happens. Have you ever been to LA before at this time in your life? Um. I had been to L.A. Uh, a few years earlier. Uh, a buddy of mine, his uh, brother was getting married. So he said, hey, man, my brother got this uh, this place out on Venice Beach, and he's getting married. Why don't you ride with me out to California, and we'll hang out in California for a week. And I was like, cool. So we drove out. Brother had this cool, beautiful condo out in Venice Beach and uh, got married and left. And... They had a, a case of champagne from the wedding. And he didn't say, don't drink it. He didn't really say anything about this case of champagne at all. Okay. So at 22 years old, we assumed that he mm. left it for us. Mm. So, dude, we was, we was throwing parties. We were... Venice Beach was kind of wild back then, right? So, I walked out on Venice Beach and saw people walking by with thongs and, you know. So, just, minute, so you all were in one of those spots that it backed up to Venice Beach? Yeah, we were, I mean, we were, you know, a uh, uh, hundred feet. From Venice Beach? From Venice Beach, yeah. Wow. That was my introduction. People walking out. Yeah. All day long. And, yeah. and, you know, the wind, uh, kite, the skateboards yeah. and all that kind of... I looked around for a couple minutes. I said, shit, I'm, I'm overdressed. I went back in and I had a pair of red bikini briefs with a mood heart right where your nuts are. <laughs> and and I went out there. I put those on and put on a t-shirt and some gym shoes and walked... Maybe 200 yards before Honey pushed up on me. He's like, hey, how you doing? Wow. And here you are living 100 feet from the beach. From where it's going down. Yeah, man. Oh, I was like, man. yo. We, well, yeah, I know. We I, had, I live right over here. You should. Yeah, right we, listen. I'm we right had there. Honey's, 
We had liquor. Man. And we had a condo on Venice Beach, and we was 21 years old, dude. For a week. For a week. Man. And then, after that, I was like, yo, I'm going to California, man. Mm. And, and, so, okay, so you, in your mind, you're like, man, I got to go back. And then here you, here you are, some months later, you get that card. To say, yeah, yeah. Come out to L.A. Okay, but, but check it out. Check it out. So I got the car, um, and... After a little bit, I put in my notice at the theater. It's like, hey, I'm going to LA. You know, I got representation. You know, I'm, I'm in the union. Mm. It's time. So, uh, so you were already so, in the union. Yeah, I was already in the union. Mm. So now I go back to the telephone sales job. And it's like, yeah, I'm getting ready to go to LA. You know, I need to make some money. Can I have my job back? And like, cool. So I'm grinding, dude. I'm I'm back in there now. I'm, you know, listen. If I get you on the phone, you either got to hang up. Oh, you gotta give me some money. So I'm grinding and grinding, and one night I walk out of my apartment, and John Cusack walks right in front of me. Mm. Just like that. This was in Chicago. Chicago. Both from Chicago, and and we knew each other before that. So it, it, so I I knew who he was, and we had mutual friends. Now was he already acting? Yeah, he had already done a couple of movies. He okay. was on his way. Okay. So he walks by, and we talk for a minute. He says, "Hey, man, uh, I'm doing a, uh, I'm doing a movie. Would you like to audition?" I said, "Yeah." So I come down, do the audition. Don't think anything of it. In Chicago. In Chicago, it's like November, something like that. Okay. Uh, so a few months go by, and I'm back at the telephone sales room. Grind, grind. I'm grinding. I'm grinding. <laughs> so what, my uh, what's the time gap between when you got the card and all this? It's still some months before you even left to go to LA yet. So you yeah, yeah, I haven't left for LA yet. So it's probably five months. Oh wow! So yeah, you go back and get that a rack a week. Yeah, yeah. In the yeah. mid eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get you know to get right. Yeah. So uh, it's mid morning. I'm on the phone and. Uh, my manager says, hey, JJ, it's a call for you. It's like an incoming call. We don't get incoming calls, <laughs> you know, at a freaking phone bank. It was like, okay, boom. So, now, when we made a sale, what you would do is you would slam the phone down. Mm-hmm. And then you'd jump up and you'd say, oh, yeah, and raise your arms. And then everybody in the room would say, how much? And you'd say, $250. they go, yeah, and they cheer. And then you run around the room and get a high five from everybody like you just hit a home run. Wow. Okay. So. For every sale. For every, for, yeah, for every big sale. You know, if it was like a $40 sale. But no, but if you got a $250, okay. you go, ah. Right. So, um, so I pick up the phone and it's my agent. And she's like, hey, today's your lucky day. So what do you mean? Said, you just booked a movie in Los Angeles, and they want you to fly out there. They want you there tomorrow. I got you a plane a ticket for six o'clock tonight. So you need to get on your way. What time was this? It's like two. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll be there. And I slammed the phone down. And I jumped up and I said, oh yeah. And they said, how much? And I said, I just got a movie. I'm going to Hollywood. And I ran around the room and gave everybody a high five and ran out the door and never came back. Now, (laughs) 
Flash forward, 25 years later, uh -huh. I'm flying uh, to a gig and I'm going through Chicago and I'm in the airport and this guy walks up to me and says, JJ, it's Dave Barrow. Okay. I was in the room when you got your first movie. You're a fucking legend, man. I tell that story to everybody. Really? You see that guy? For real? <laughs> yeah. That is something, man. Oh man. That was that was that's that's dope. <laughs> that's dope. That's dope. So I mean, here it is, four hours before you catch that flight. What are you thinking? What's in your mind? You on the plane heading to LA. You just booked the the the, the, the movie role that you auditioned for with John Cusack. At this point in your life, I mean were you knowing that, okay, this is like, like God is with you? Like, this is something, there's something that's going on here? Um, I've always known that. I haven't always been as clear as I am now about it. Mm. Um, and during that period, um, I was, was off and on in my focus on being in alignment with the source of all it is. Mm. I was off and on with it. And I didn't realize that when I was in times of anxiety, that meant I was off. And when I was in times of peace and certainty, that meant I was on. Mm. And that I could choose which one I wanted to be in. And it took me years to learn that it's okay to just back up and choose to stay in alignment with the source of all that is. Mm. Mm. That's, 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 that's deep, you know, that's deep. Um, so when you got to LA, you went, you booked the role. What was the name of the movie? What was the role? It was called Tape Heads. Tape Heads. Yeah, with Tim Robbins and John Cusack, and I was, you know, I mean, one of the henchmen. Okay. Yeah, maybe henchman number three. Like <laughs> you know, you always start with a number in this business. <laughs> Pimp number two. <laughs> so, here you are out here. Now, what was your next thing? Now you're going on an audition, now you got the agent, yeah. you, just, you just booked the movie. You well, know, things are kind of moving. Yeah, moving. like how, how how was life for you at that? Um, at that it time? was it was fast, mm. and then uh, and then at a dead stop, mm. and then pick up, and then fast, and then at a dead stop, but a a slower stop, so a lower stop. Right. So this is nothing that's uncommon for up and coming actors or even actors that are in the business. This is all a part. I want that to be known for listeners that are listening that, you know, just because you come to a dead stop does not mean that it's over or that, you Correct. know, you know what I mean? Like some, sometimes Correct. people, they like, man, it's not even, you know what? Maybe I'm just joking. Maybe I'm just playing around. Maybe I'm just, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. No, keep going. Don't stop. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's something that that's inspiring for others to know about is that whatever the case may be, just because you have a dull and a dead moment does not mean that you're done. Keep going. 
Um, what was uh, something for you that, um, you know, where things started rolling and, you know, and what was it like? I mean, just for you in, in that instance of, you know, now you're a full-fledged actor, you're, you're, you know, when when did you realize or when did you experience when someone, you could be out and someone recognized you? Um, you know, it was a while before recognition, probably, um, you know, in any substantive way, probably about 10 years. Mm. Okay. Um, but there was a lot of, of uh, uh, recognition from a show I'd done that week. Okay. Right? Because it was still fairly new. Cable was new and it was strange and it was, you know, network is what everybody was trying to get to. And I got into the network game early. Okay. Right? And I was doing it enough um, to, to feel like everything was heading in a certain direction. And then it sort of stalled. There was like this this kind of uh, glass ceiling mm. that I wasn't getting through and I couldn't quite understand uh, what was going on with it. And I sort of lost patience with the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because it's never about what's not happening. It's only about what is happening. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So all that thinking of, you know, well, I ought to be doing this and I should be here by now and this should have happened this way. All of that is just wasted energy. Mm-hmm. It's just stop. Mm. It, it's wasted. That's good for me to hear. Yeah, it's wasted. It's wasted. The only thing that actually exists is our connection with the source of all that is right now. That's the only thing that actually exists. And because of that, you have to spend your time focusing on right now. What feels good right now? What feels good right now? Because it's not always going to be what feels good is like, oh, I got to go and get a woman. What feels good is really what makes you feel good about yourself right now. Who are you right now? What do you accept about yourself right now? And if you can populate your mind with all of the things that you've done in your life that made you feel good and run those through your mind again so that you have a thought and has a chemical reaction and that feeling good gets into your body and it starts to affect the way you think. And you start thinking about feeling good. And then you start making choices that help you to feel good about you. And before you know it, you have surrounded your life with choices of things that make you feel good about you. That's interesting that that, that you mentioned that. Um, this past weekend, me and my girl went to Santa Barbara um, to the zoo. And she's all, she had mentioned, I was talking about something in my past. And I was like kind of smiling and laughing and talking about it to her. And she said, you always talk about the past. You know, and when you talk about the past, you have like this this smile about what it is you're talking about. 
She's like, but what about now? You know? And it's interesting that you just said what you said about, you know, everything that you can think about in your past that brought happiness to you. If you can some kind of way rile that up in your mind for now, in the now, then that the, the, the feeling of the past, you know, can, can, can be in the present. I think a lot of times as the, as the older we get, we become so, we, we become too aware with our surroundings. Whereas when we were younger, we didn't care as much. Like for instance, with you going out, you know, in Venice Beach and going out with the, the, the whatchamacallit, swimming trunks on with the whatchamacallit. Like you wouldn't probably even be on that now, but and definitely not. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but, but the fact that you did that then brought brought you brings you happiness. Oh yeah. And it's like to bring that energy back up within yourself into the now. It keeps you in line with yeah, you said the source cool. of all that innocence that 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 um, that feeling. Yeah. So that you can start identifying it when it's going on in your life. Mm. It's not foreign to you. It's like, oh yeah, that that's it. And then you can choose that, you know, those things that make you feel good. Mm. Right? You choose to be around that. And pretty soon you're surrounded by a life that makes you feel good. Mm. Right? I mean, think about this for a second. We got no problem going back into the past and thinking about negative shit. Yeah. Right? People that pissed you off and what somebody said and what you should have done. Mm -hmm. And we can get involved in that for hours. Mm -hmm. But if you go back and think about positive, so and that has an effect, right? You're thinking about that negative stuff all the time, you know, it has an effect on your attitude. It's the same thing with just going back and thinking about positive stuff. You're going back anyway, go back and think about the positive stuff. That makes you feel good. That affects your attitude. So that you interact with the world uh, as somebody who has had positive experiences and wants to spread that around. Then that's what you attract. Mm. So is that what helps helps you with you picking the roles that, that, that you get? I don't really pick them. They pick me. Mm. Right? I, you know, sometimes, dude... It, I'll do an audition, and I think I was amazing, and I don't get that job. Mm -hmm. But I'll do an audition where I'm confused as to why they have me in the room. <laughs> and that's the one that's gotta have me. Yeah. And, and as I uh, have been more open to uh, the feeling of accepting everything that goes with success. Mm -hmm. uh, I have become more successful. Mm. I was uh, I was looking because um, you know you you you're a busy man. You know you have like a close to a, like a hundred you know credits on the IMDb. Um, yeah, I've been around a minute. I know, and, and I mean, <laughs> you know, that's a that's a blessing. Um, I, I noticed when you had did um, what was that? Uh, well, I also noticed I was gonna go see this movie. As a matter of fact, 
the uh, the curse of of La Llorona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I saw the I saw the credits on that or the the trailer, and I was like, man, I want to go see that. And I happened to look on here, and I saw like, oh, you're in it. And yeah, I was like, oh snap, okay, I gotta check that out. I did that last year. Did you see the movie? Is it? I have not seen it. You've not seen. Are you a horror a horror um, film person? Uh, not really. No, <laughs> not really. But I am a show up where they gonna give me a check person. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so when they called, I showed up. Now, 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 now did you live in the movie? Did you live? Uh, I definitely live. Okay. I definitely live. Okay. You know, and usually, you know, that first brother that you see, yeah, is always a goner. Yeah, he, he's about to let you know why it's a horror movie. Right. It's like the, the, the black person always gets killed so brutally. Gets <laughs> decapitated. Or you know. Now, now, uh, you know, uh, how was it working on Smart Guy? Like, how was that? Um, that I it mean, was, it was great. Yeah, it was great. It was a, um, it was a great experience. I mean, that was a steady. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing a 50, 51 episode. That was a steady, yeah. ongoing thing. Yeah. No, it was. It was. Uh, it was three seasons. Um, it was it was a terrific experience. The all the young people were uh, were great. They were great people. Uh, the parents of the young people that came around, they were great people. Um, they were uh, they really everybody had a high expectation of what the show was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody worked really hard on meeting those expectations, mm -hmm. all the kids included. They worked as hard or harder than anybody. Okay. Um, and when I was in school, in college, <clears throat> everything that was on TV about black men was negative. You know, just little pimps and pushers and gang members and you know every it was just it was awful and so was um, big now now when i was a kid growing up i used to watch like benson oh that wasn't on yet that wasn't on yet yeah this is all before the cosby show mm, okay right and so uh i made a decision at that time that i wasn't going to do those negative characters mm -hmm. because they export this stuff around the world and so I was going to be a balancer in the image that's exported for African Americans around the world in, in my own work. Mm -hmm. And so I turned down a lot of stuff for that 10 years. The 10 year period that I'm telling you about mm -hmm. is because I was turning stuff down. Mm -hmm. And then Smart Guy came along. Mm -hmm. And you know, it was a little sitcom on a little network. Nobody really thought that much of what it. Network, what network was it? Uh, WB. WB, that's right. That's right. Um, and then it got it got canceled from WB and picked up on Disney Channel. Mm. And it went all over the world. Wow. 175 countries. Wow. So in 175 countries around the world was the first African-American genius who, you know, had this single father who was a stable family man. And, and to black people all around the world, this was their Cosby show, mm. right? To that next generation. Right, 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 right. And so all around the world, when I went over to, uh, to Cannes um, 
to the film festival last year. When I walked down the street, it was like, you know, the, it was like freaking, you know, uh, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> they were giving me love, dude. I was like, wow, oh yeah. Well, it, when I, you know, kids said when I was a kid, you know, it played wow. in Paris. Wow. And it played four nights a week. Wow. Now that's like syndication, it was just. Syndication is Disney Channel. It's all over the world. Wow. So, um, so that positive image of African Americans um, was shipped out. How does that feel to the man? entire world? How does it, that well, feel to know that you something that you you know a show like that, but just in general as an actor on TV, that whatever it is that you do, you have no idea. You know you're doing it right now, but you have no idea where it was spread out to right. or where it would be seen. Right. You could be at home, sleep, snoring. But somewhere you're being seen on TV somewhere. What does well, that feel like to you? Um, it it feels like I accomplished what I set out to do. And I tell you what else. There's a whole generation of young men of African descent that looked at that show and it inspired them to do great things. Mm -hmm. And we don't know who they are yet right. because they're in their 30s. Right. But in the next 10 to 15 years, we're going to see the fans of the show, The Smart Guy, all those little black boys that it made it so it was cool for them to be smart all over the world mm -hmm. are going to come of age. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I don't talk about it much mm -hmm. because it's hard for people to wrap their heads around what that means, mm -hmm. right? That kind of uh, of subliminal influence. No, I get it. Um, but it's coming, yeah. and it's coming in the next ten or fifteen years. Yeah, well, that's that's dope. That you know, to be a part of something like that that can transcend through generations. I mean, because a show like that is showing a positive impact. Um, on black culture to be shown, can be you know, will be shown for the next you know, 30, 40 years. I mean, keep in mind, you gotta think, League to Beaver is still being played. Yeah, oh yeah. And that was in the 50s. Yeah. And that still runs somewhere every night. Right. At midnight. Somewhere, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I grew up watching Leave It to Beaver. Leave It to Beaver. You know what I mean? I grew up watching those. So, like, as a kid, as a nine year old, eight year old, ten year old kid, Looking at Leave with the Beaver, this black and white, you know what I'm saying, show with these with these white kid, young kids. I didn't see, I didn't think like, oh, these guys are old men now. I'm watching it for what it is right now in front of me as a kid. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely true. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And that's dope to, to be, you know, to be a part of something like that. Now, with In the Cut, In the Cut is a good show, man. I think like... That's oh, you would say that you're a barber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That, that too, that too, that too, that too. You know, I, I feel like there's not a there's like the the good thing about that show, the dope thing about it is the fact that it taught it shows like the whole barbershop salon influence, and there's no real there's no shows out like that. Mm -hmm. My thing is, I'm just like, man, it would be dope if it was just like on, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, Bounce TV is great, but you know what I mean? Just like on one of those FX or something. I don't know. You know yeah, I mean? well, in my mind, like, a, what's what's uh, the uh, the network that uh, Tyler, he got a cool slot. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, 
uh, still got uh, his shows playing on there, you know. What is he on, TBS? Yeah, I think it's TBS. Yeah, TBS or OWN. Yeah, OWN, you know what I mean? Well, here's the thing, man. Um, you know, what you learn over time is you get in where you fit in. Yeah. And in the cut, uh, as a comic enterprise, is some of the best work I've ever done. Mm. You know, it's, um, uh, they're giving me a lot of latitude to play and create. Yeah. Uh, the, the character is evolving uh, over time. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the show where, uh, where I became an executive producer. Mm. So I started taking on uh, executive responsibilities um, at the same time as doing the show, mm -hmm. which then, you know, bolstered my confidence because it allowed me to know that um, that I'm ready to run a show, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think I showed you a little yeah. earlier. Yeah, so which leads into the segue. What do you have going on now to where you plan on taking, you know, things more into your own hands and running full force forward uh, with something that you're doing? Um, well, about 10 years ago, I started uh, producing. Okay. I started producing theater mm -hmm. and then moved to videotaping uh, theatrical shows and then did my, uh, produced my first feature a couple of years ago. Okay, what's that called? Uh, it's called The Last Revolutionary. Okay, and where um, is that? Can, where, where uh, it's on Amazon. Okay. You can get it on Amazon. Okay. Um, and my, uh, the next venture that I'm looking at is a, uh, a late night um, sketch comedy show. Okay. You know, something that, um, I wanted to have a, a uh, I wanted to have a soul about the show. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a uh, a big concert they do on uh, like MSNBC. It's like, you know, something for the world and all the, you know, artists get together and they're, you know, uh, recognizing people who have done something great for their community. They throw a big concert for them. Okay. Um, and on a certain level, uh, that's the heart of the show that, uh, that I'm putting together. Okay. And so, um, basically, it's a sketch comedy show where we do uh, an interview with a musician that has uh, some, you know, pet project or philanthropic uh, venture that he or she is doing uh, to make the world a better place. Okay. And so, we give them a venue to talk about that for a little while. Mm -hmm. And then we do comedy in different scenes around that. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, they get up, uh, get a chance to get up and perform the song mm -hmm. that has something to do with that project. Okay. And so um, they get to uh, publicize their passion project, mm -hmm. and we get to have them on the show. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we're gonna do a bunch of crazy late night killer comedy mm -hmm. um, where, uh, where we're not bound by the standard and practices, you know, before the, you know, the evening news kind of thing. Kind of has like a, the way that I'm envisioning it in my mind, it kind of has like a vibe of like uh, what kids, like if, let's say if kids back in the 60s, whatever, or the 70s would come home from school and turn the TV on and this is kind of like a variety show. Yeah, it'd be a variety show. Mm -hmm. It'd be a late night variety show. Mm -hmm. 
you know. So um, it'll have music, it'll have sketches, it'll have probably some stand-up, it'll have interview, and uh, and it's gonna be kind of like a Carol Burnett type show. Yeah, like a Carol Burnett with mixed, but now, but modern. And listen, Carol yeah. Burnett was one of the biggest yeah. influences on my career. Mm. Um, that I could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. There, it was the I show. I always watched that show. Yeah, it was the show that I loved the most. Mm. And what I really loved was when they would try to make each other laugh. <laughs> right? There was nothing better than seeing mm-hmm. somebody trying to hold themselves mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember as a kid, it was a scene on the Caribbean show uh, where uh, it was. Uh, uh, Kara Burnett, the lady that played, that's my mama. Um, was it Vicky? Vicky Lawrence. Vicky Lawrence, yeah. Um, and then it was the other, the other guy. And I remember they were they, they heard the the taller guy, I forgot his name, but he was like, Ooh, they were like, he's coming, he's coming. They like looked up and it was like, it showed like his shadow, and he was like real like big and you know, scary, and then he comes around the corner, he's like, hello, and he comes down the steps. <laughs> oh, it must have been Harvey Corman. Yeah. I remember seeing that, and was bugging up laughing at that, man. They would always do do stuff, and they try not to laugh and everything. What other show does that, too, man? There's another show that, you know, they did that a lot on, on the Martin show, too. Mm. Try not to make each other laugh, but you can kind of catch, like, T-shirts, like, trying not to laugh, and mm. stuff like that. Um, just give me one last words of encouragement for those out there that are listening that would like to, you know, become an actor and, and pursue their dreams and, and their passion. And what's something that you could tell them to, you know, to keep moving forward? Or, you know, just last words of encouragement for them that are listening. Your dream has to know you still believe in it all the way till the moment it happens. And so all this other stuff that's going on is just a distraction. And it wants to get your attention so you'll stop focusing on your dream. Mm. Don't allow yourself to be distracted by people, places, things, times, events, attitudes, or attachments. Let all of that go. And stay focused on your dream. And everything that's supposed to happen will happen because you let your dream know you still believed in it right till the moment that it happens. Mm. Dope. Dope. How, how can people, uh, if they want to, you know, reach out to you on, you know, your Instagram? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They can uh, IG me, at uh, uh, John Marshall Jones, uh, hashtag Twitter, at John Marshall Jones. Okay. They can get me with all of that. Okay. You know? Hey, well, Newt, I definitely appreciate, you know, you coming through, lounging with me. I appreciate, you know, being able to reach out and talk like this. You know what I mean? Like, this is so dope to me. This is this is big for the for the podcast. And I appreciate all the listeners out there that's been listening. I got listeners in Brazil and, you know, around the, around the globe, man. And um, so until next time. Oh, yeah, for those, you can follow me on IG, Lounging with Skip Podcast. Um, and you can also reach me at uh, urbansoulmusicpub at gmail.com. 
um, if you want to email me or um, and also just hit me up in the DM on Lounge with Skip Podcast to be able to uh, contact me or whatnot and we can take it from there. So until next time, peace.